Time for another Root Issues podcast, and I'm in the booth today with Lauren. Hi, guys. Alexa. Hello. And Mr. Steve Woodrow. Howdy. And this is Chris. And hey, we are excited to jump in. We are still in the series "Living in Christ with a Heavenly Places Perspective." Today, our title is going to be "Restoring a Heavenly Places Perspective." In other words, we're going to be looking at how do we see the world, and do we see it through the eyes of God's Word, God's plan, through His Spirit? And so, we've got some major bullet points that we're going to be hitting in. We're looking at Ephesians one seven through ten today which says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And man, that is just such a beautiful picture of just having everything united in Christ. It is just, it should be our hope. Absolutely. And so what we did, we bounced out from there to, um, obviously Paul uses five times in Ephesians this idea of a heavenly realm, the heavenly places, and and that's the perspective, right, we should grow in. And uh, we see that when Paul was in Ephesus, uh, in Acts 19 was probably the, well, was the height of his kind of heavenly places ministry, shall yeah. we say. Um, some wild things happened there. Dude, and so we so cool. bounced out, right, from this Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, 7 through 10, with 10, which is this grand, glorious, big purpose of God, which is unite everything in Christ in heaven and earth. And how can we right, gain, regain, I think, in the church that perspective and in our own personal lives? And so we looked at Acts 19, just Paul's ministry there while he was in Ephesus, just for four things um, to kind of help us think through, right, that uh, regaining that perspective. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you want to jump in on what some of that perspective was, Miss Lauren? (laughs) I mean, it was so cool. I did. I put her on the spot. Crickets. The perspective. Uh, what perspective? Well, I mean, it was just like, you know, when you look at Acts 19, there was just all these incredible miracles happening. Yeah. Just the power of God yeah. just leaking out <laughs> everywhere. Like Steve was talking about, like in handkerchiefs and yeah, in yeah, shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the sons of Sheba. That's yeah. Acts 19, right? Yeah. yeah. Is it Sheba? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. I was talking to my mom about this this morning. Yeah. The sons of Sheba, and, you know, they're like, go to cast out a demon and... The demon's like, well, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And I think that shows us going back to Ephesians, too, like how important it is to know, like, who we are and what our spiritual authority and blessing is, because without it, we get, you know, told, who are you? (laughs) But it's like, no, like, we're children of God. Like, we carry his authority. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that was, like, one of the main things that I wrote. It was like, you know, you know, do, do, does the spiritual realm know me? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I can know the spiritual realm, but am I trusting in God enough for the spiritual realm to know me? And that kind of brings us into our first point, because today we're going to be kind of asking, like, f- like I think it's four main kind of questions to kind of get the fire going. But Steve's first kind of point was this. Let's get honest about our experience with the Holy Spirit. And I know for most of my childhood and mm-hmm. young adult life, 
I had no concept of the Holy Spirit. I had a lot of knowledge. I had a lot of understanding. I knew who Jesus was. I knew who God was. But the, the, the world that I lived in did not bring up the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until being here at this church and Steve Woodrow, good friend Brent Phillips, you know, really introduced me to who the Holy Spirit is. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of us. Yeah. We've grown up, right, uh, in church, and, and no, no one's ever talked about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the gifts yeah. of the Spirit, our experience with the Spirit. But when you read the Word, uh, this was the thing, right, that set people apart was their their not just their belief, right, yeah. in Christ and everything, but it was this sealing, it was this filling, it was this coming upon the Holy Spirit and the empower of the Spirit, all those yeah. things. Um, so uh, there was this evidence, right, that uh, of the Spirit working among the fellowship of believers. Uh, and we just get all kind of wonky about that, right, <laughs> in the sense of, it, it, you know, so, so much uncomfort and insecurity when we start talking about that. And we need to get honest, right, with yeah. our experience and not freak out when somebody says, hey, have you been baptized with the Spirit or have you been filled with the Spirit? We need to be able to be very confident about how we answer those questions if somebody brings it to us yeah. and not kind of, you know, shy away or get all theological. Um that we need to be confident theologically about what we believe about that. But mm-hmm. uh, but deeper than that, or connected to that, is just our experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's I think what gets tricky there is that use of the language. Well, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you yeah. been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm yeah. like, right. do you mean have I been dunked in the Spirit of God? <laughs> right. Like, we can take these church language, which we get it from the Bible, which is beautiful, but sometimes when we say this stuff, especially talking to people who may not have a background knowing about the things of the spirit, which is, was definitely me. I didn't know much until I think I went to college is when I really started diving into the things of the spirit and started having my own experiences with God. But I think you're exactly right is we, we need those experiences with God, but also it's important to not let language kind of get in the way. And so when we understand, what do you mean when you say being filled with the spirit? I'm like, we can, we can talk about that. And, we can talk think, about all those scriptures. Yeah. I think what you're saying is really important. So if, if somebody asks us, hey, well, let's just say, like you said, well, have you been baptized with the Spirit or something right. like that, is not to get all weird, but to ask <laughs> clarifying questions, right? Well, so what do you mean by that, right? right? And get that person to clarify their question. What are they really asking, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that takes it down from like a, oh, my gosh, this is a very spiritual, high mm-hmm. tense, whatever, like, yeah. oh, like you just took that to another another level right. and then bring it down like, oh, well, what do you? What do you mean by that? Like, and it's on us, right, if we're engaging people, is to kind of get a bridge and know what's the best language to use in talking to yeah. somebody about that. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's like even on Sunday we were, were teaching a series with middle schoolers right now just on mm-hmm. prayer. And so this Sunday was just kind of like imaginative prayer in the sense that, you know, my good buddy Hubert was teaching. And so I was like, your main point is you're going to be reading Psalm 23, to them twice, and the first time you're just going to read it from the text, and then the second time you're going to put in, you know, how do you put yourself in the story? And it was amazing because we gave them all colored pencils and paper, and what they were able to just sit and listen to Psalm 23, which many of them have heard before. Like, Cars is like, oh my gosh, that's in Toby Mac's song, you know, uh-huh. you know, because everything's related <laughs> to Toby Mac. Right. Um, but just to hear what they wrote, like how they put themselves in that. Like, you know, from some people, like, I just laid in the grass. He, fu- You know, and then when we, you know, did, you know, 
a little debrief with him, you know, we were kind of asking him how to break it down, and it was like, you know, like, he's my shepherd, which mm-hmm. means I have to be a sheep and follow. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this cool context. And so that was a moment where they were introduced to, you know, a larger picture of God than maybe they had been before. And I think all of us have those stories. Like, even before I was, like, saying I'm following the Holy Spirit, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, I had encounters with the Holy Spirit. Yes. I just didn't have words to put it that it was an encounter with the Holy Spirit until I came to say I understand who the Holy Spirit is. And then when I look back on my life, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was there. He was there. He was there. He was always with me, guiding me. And so I think sometimes people need context to just backtrack in their story to say, like, oh, man, God is so there. Even in the times when we think he's not, he's there. But when we slow down and kind of reflect back, then we can say, okay, I know I have been baptized. I know that I have the Holy Spirit in me. Yeah. You know, anything else about just like, you know, how do we, how do we get honest with those experiences? You know, the thing I brought up, I, I would just encourage right people to, to go after the text. You know, we've the two very controversial uh-huh. gifts of the Spirit are yes. tongues and prophecy. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so much talk, and, and most of us are brought up, right, being by, you know, being told one thing, either mm-hmm. it's really bad or it's very controversial or even demonic somehow, yeah. right? Or the other side is, is you know, very overplaying those things or, yeah. or something or abusing them, whatever it may be, like Corinth. Um, so being honest with the Holy Spirit is I am responsible for God, right? If the Spirit of God's in me to look at the text, what does mm-hmm. God's Word say about yeah. these things? And to make a, a, a journey, not just listen to somebody on a podcast, not just <laughs> listen even to my pastor and say, well, yeah. that's what he, or the church, but go before the Lord yeah. and, and, and really seek the Spirit of God in my life. What is this? Why is this yeah. in here? And if Paul can say, I wish you all had this, or I would, you know, everybody should, you know, then I, I'm a, I need to really, if I'm going to deny that or move away from that, then I need to take that very seriously, right? Yeah. In the sense of, of I need to have a time wrestling with the Scripture, right? Yeah. And with others, if I'm, if I'm, wow, talk to me about this, you know, rather than just run and scared from it, or even worse, get into a place just of, you know, kind of rooting in something yeah. rather than really exploring it with the Word of God. Yeah. Right. I I always go back to Matthew 7 mm-hmm. when I think about any kind of gift. Mm-hmm. And where is it? I'm looking in my Bible right now. It says, Matthew 7, starting in verse 9, it says, If your son asks for bread, mm-hmm. who of you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give Give good gifts to those who ask him. So in everything, do to others what you would have them done to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. But that just speaks to the idea that even earthly parents give us good gifts, but the Father, our Heavenly Father, is so much better, so how much better are his gifts? And when we think about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we are told who these gifts are from. They're from the Holy Spirit, who Mm -hmm. is God. We're told what they are. We're told how to operate in them. That's love, right? It's yeah. not just for marriage. It's yeah. it's operate out of love. And in 14, it's it's practically how do we do this? And it, this is a correction that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church because they yeah. were abusing these mm-hmm. gifts. And so I just think, man, God has given us these gifts. He's written out a handbook for us, and we just need to go and 
Wonderful. Read it. <laughs> you know, and it, that's Matthew 7. In Luke, right, chapter yeah. 11, Luke says, rather than give you good things, he, he ends it by saying, how much more will your Father give you more of the Holy Spirit yeah. to those who ask him, right? And better. You know, so, you, like you said, take that into 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, and 14. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think this idea of a new heavenly realm perspective is we have to take time. We can't just settle into our denominational thought is we need to wrestle with the text on this. And, boy, you know, are we really going to make a stand in our life that oh, God gave these gifts to, you know, does he give gifts in the New Testament, you know, where that to the church early on and then say, oh, we don't need these gifts today and yeah. pull them back? I mean, that's where... You know, we really have to wrestle with, man, if they were useful then, boy, I would say we, you know, kind of, we even need them all we, well, we need all we can get right now, right? But, but, uh, but yeah, just to pursue that. Well, I mean, I think your next point kind of just weaved in perfectly. Like you, like Lauren was talking about, like, you know, this concept that you said that you're bringing a feast to the table. Mm -hmm. Would you give us a little bit of lay in on that? Yeah, if you listen to Sunday's sermon, Steve, when he's starting to talk, is like, I'm creating, like, a feast for mm -hmm. you guys. Yeah. Um, and, like, when I think about that, I think about, like, a pastor who's going to give you a ton of information, a ton of the things that are out there, yeah. so that then it's set up for you to be able to digest. Yeah. Um, but when you, like, go through a buffet line, it's not, like, you know, there's so much that you're like, oh, I don't know what I want. But yeah. you get to pick stuff, and there's things yeah. that taste really good to you. And that's what it is with, like, the Word of God is, like, someone gives you an idea, like, take it back. Take time to enjoy it. Digest it. Mm -hmm. Read it in the Word of God. Pray. Talk to other believers about it. And that's when it becomes your own. And when it becomes satisfying, fulfilling is, like, when you pick it, when you get to yeah. choose it. So and it's I mean, like the feast. And then in this feast that Steve prepared, his second point is this. And I think this is like, unless we go here and really honestly ask ourselves this question, then it's hard for us to embrace the Holy Spirit. But it's like expose the spirit of religion and embrace the gospel of the kingdom. And I mean, that is like new terminology for many people, like understanding what is the gospel of the kingdom, you know, He's preparing the way. The kingdom of the Lord is here. You know, all of those, that verbiage. But when we look at our world, we just see our world. But unless we embrace that there's this other realm, the gospel, the kingdom of God, that's active in this world, then it's hard for us to connect the two. And, I mean, I think for me it's like, yeah, like I always try to step back. Like this is happening in the world today, but how does that play out in God's kingdom? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what is going on here? And right. so then it's like, okay, like, you know, take a look at the news and you can be filled with fear. But when you step back and say, how is God orchestrating? How is God moving through this? Yeah. What are God's, you know, advances in this? Then it's like, wow, you right. understand. You can see something so much clearer, you know. And yeah, so, in the background here, obviously, to Acts 19 is, mm -hmm. you know, Paul comes in, he finds some disciples in that whole section of, yeah. finds out what baptism are under, and then he prays for them to be, fill, be filled, you know, leads them in the baptism of Jesus, but then prays for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They come out and prophesying and speaking in tongues. Then he moves his disciples. He goes in the synagogue in, in yeah. um, uh, Ephesus, which was his normal operating procedure. And he's there for like three months, and he's preaching. It says the gospel of the kingdom. Well, the, the Jews, some of them believed, right? Mm -hmm. But as often happens is many of them were just so locked and loaded in their, their just 
did not, you know, their Jewishness, right? Yeah. Moses, the law, that they didn't see the larger prophecy that Moses even spoke about, one yeah. will come after me, and 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 listen to what Paul would say. So he had to leave there after yeah. a certain period, took his disciples, and went to the hall of Tyrannus and, uh, you know, spent two years there, and it says, boy, that's when things broke out, right? Yeah. The gospel went to the whole region. But, I mean, it's like even in that, like, okay, this is Paul, but he is honoring chain of command. Like, first I go to the temple. I go to the, the children of God. I go to those who have followed and called and been a part of God's overall plan. And then when it's not received there, then we move out and we go somewhere else. But, like, you know, it's not like just because you're empowered and equipped in the Spirit doesn't mean that you still don't have allegiance and submission to God's plan. Yeah. But sometimes we don't see that God even has a plan. And so no matter what you're facing today, no matter what is on your mind as you're listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there are a billion other different thoughts and worries and anxieties of things that are going on in your personal life, the question is this. Have you stepped back from what you're staring at and said, God, what is your plan in this? Yeah, I have a question for you, for you, you two. Um, <laughs> you know, this point of expose the spirit of religion, right? Uh, embrace the gospel of the kingdom. Just as you deal with people that are, um, you know, I guess you all fall in the millennial sector somewhere mm-hmm. in there. The big issue right now is church hurt, right? We hear it all the time. Everybody's, you know, had some kind of church hurt, and, um, and some of it's pretty severe, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But when you all come across that, because I know you have with, with plenty of people, how does that... Uh, it, it, talk to me, or us, I should say, about the difference, how you all have waited in talking to friends and others um, about church hurt and the issue also there of just a spirit of religion that's yeah. on them, right? Is um, You know, and we know we're talking about a spirit of religion, right, that, uh, you know, just can't see this larger gospel, but, yeah. you know, I'll just go to church or I'll just do my quiet time or whatever it is rather than be open to the larger gospel message, so... Well, I can share something from my, my own story and, like, testimony. Perfect. Uh, so, like, I was raised what I would, like, in a very religious denomination, like Southern Baptist, Christian school. So, like, all I really knew, as I say, is, like, I knew religion, but I didn't know relationship, and I didn't know what it was like to be in relationship with Jesus. But I had scriptures memorized. I, like, I would consider myself a pretty, per, like, through the eyes of religion, perfect Christian. Um, like I, yeah, like in high school, I won the Christian character award. Like I was voted the most Christian in the yeah. high school. Claps, applause. But in applause, applause, applause. But, but if, as you get to, like, as I tell my story, like inwardly, I was so broken. Like I was depressed. I was suicidal. I struggled with love. Like, like as broken as they come, but on the outside to religion, I was perfect. Um, And so when I got to college, like, I was super angry at God and at Mm. the church because I was like, I've been struggling. Like, no one will give me answers. Like, I'm super hurt. I don't want anything to do with Mm. religion anymore because, like, I can't get relief. I can't get whatever. And I meet these people that are walking with the Holy Spirit, like, deeply. Like, like it saturates them. And one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is like he can be compared to like oil. Mm. And so I say like the oil of the Holy Spirit can break the chains of religion. Yeah. Um, and because the anointing right that there. breaks yeah. the yoke. Yeah, it's the anointing that breaks yes. the oak. Yeah. Yeah. Yoke, yoke, yoke. Yeah. 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 Um, that thing. And like when I encounter them, like there's times that my mind was offended. Mm. My flesh was offended, but my spirit was coming alive yeah. because there's a greater 
portion for us in the spirit of the Lord. And so like through these people showing me love and through them prophesying over me and mm. even praying in tongues over me, like yeah. things started to break off yeah. until the point that I met the Holy Spirit like Beautiful. face to face and it changed everything. And it was like, that's what was missing. It was mm. like, I tell people my world was like in black and white because of religion. But when I met the Holy Spirit, it was like the world of color erupted Gosh, yeah. and like everything came to life. And so it's like when now when I walk with people, they're like, I've been really hurt by the church. I try to like reframe it. Like usually I actually have them tell me their story multiple times. Like I'm like, tell me your story once. And then I'm like, okay, so it sounds like X, Y, and Z pastor said this and it started a root of bitterness in you. Mm -hmm. Like tell me the story again. So then they tell it again and it usually shifts a little bit as you have them retell the story multiple times with the like Holy Spirit. We're like helping them process it to the point that then you can like lift their head above what happened and have them go through like the freedom process. Like if you use seven steps of healing, if you use listening prayer, like whatever you use, but then you've helped them identify in their life, like the roots that have caused this hurt. And then you're able to take them through forgiveness. And then typically, like, through the love and the power of the Holy Spirit, they can find freedom from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is that yeah. is an awesome testimony. And I know there's hopefully many people listening to this that that cuts right to where so yeah. many people are at, I believe, is right in that place of feeling they're in church and they're, they're kind of that spirit of religion, wanting yeah. to <clears throat> feel like they're trying to do the right things. But there's yeah. this, this block, right? Yeah. And, the, and, and it's a... It grows and it does get bitter. It gets angry, you know, yeah. about God. They don't. They're not advancing, and so that's that's a powerful testimony. Lexi, you have anything? The only thing I would add is I think Lauren gave us all just the most beautiful example of how to, like, from her story, how to walk with someone who's been hurt. Um, I think the most important thing is to partner with the Holy Spirit when mm-hmm. we're talking to people who have been hurt by the church. I think that's the most important thing in general is partnership with yeah. the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah. Um, but I think we want to be the oil of the oil, which is the anointing, which is the pleasing aroma, which is the fragrance of Christ, which we can't do that without partnering with the Holy Spirit. And so for me, it's always asking questions like, okay, Holy Spirit, what's really going on right now? Yeah. Maybe he tells me something that's just for me to know so that I can ask better questions yes. to help someone process through. But it's also like I don't want to push someone in a religious sense of like, let's make sure you get healed today through this conversation. <laughs> it's like how yeah. how like, how like does God want to love on you right now? Yeah. Like, God, what are you already doing to encourage and love this person? Yeah. And so I think that's why the prophetic is so powerful because 1 Corinthians 14.3 says the one who prophesies, it's for someone's encouraging, comfort, and uplifting, or strengthening, comforting, yeah. and uplifting, whatever your version is. Um, but that's what it should sound like. Yeah. And if it doesn't sound like that, then... Then I would I would question that, but I think we want to strengthen, encourage, and comfort fellow believers, especially those who feel like they're really hurting. And I think when we do that with the words of God, like actually the logos written word of God, that's eternal, rather than oh I think you're such a great friend. Yeah, like that's great, that's encouraging, yeah. but that's just for me, and so it's gonna perish. But if we can encourage people with the word of God and their identity in Christ, that transcends, I think, like what man has said. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I don't know, I yeah. think that's what 
It's wonderful. Is it? It's stuff. really great. No, and I mean, we just flew past and jumped into the next point, which was restore the gospel ministry of deliverance to set people free. I mean, as we look at that, like, yeah, there is church hurt. There is yeah. abuse of power. There's abuse of authority. That is man. That is not of the spirit. And so then when you do, you know, have those hurts, those those are things that you have to reckon with. Those are things that you have to, I think for most of us, we just shy away from mm-hmm. any confrontation and we just accept whatever is being fed to us and then we just live in that. You know, like, I'm told to be bitter. I'm told to be hurt. You know, and I mean, I think as followers of Christ, our main objective is to follow mm-hmm. and to point people to the good shepherd, you know, and then we can do that through the Holy Spirit. And I love the example of just walking with people, saying, okay, I'm with you. I'm not your healer. Yeah. But I know the healer. Yeah. And I have a relationship with him, and I will sit patiently with you. Absolutely. You know, and, and allow you to go through this because I think everybody has those hurts and those pains, but they just don't really know what to do with them. And so the gospel, when we talk about it being that healing power, it is bringing someone to the shepherd yeah. and allowing them to follow him. Yeah, on this point of <clears throat> restore the gospel ministry of deliverance <clears throat> to set people free, um, this is another just huge issue today, right? Yeah. Uh, with all of our, you know, mental, you know, illness awareness, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Uh, what I'm showing, so the rest of Ephesus, right, from, yeah. from uh, Paul's time, he goes into this incredible, right, deliverance ministry, right? Like yeah. you mentioned earlier, yeah. his handkerchiefs are taking yeah. a healing. It says yeah. he's laying even upon touching someone and, yeah. and demons are coming out. They're being yeah. set free. And what we see in the scripture is when somebody is the gospel minister deliverance, they're set free. Yeah. Like Mary Magdalene did not as the chosen. That's my only thing I don't <laughs> like about the chosen is Mary Magdalene did not fall back to her, yeah. you know, thing. It's clear she was, she was set free. Yeah. But, um, so th- to think about, and this is such touchy ground. Look, there is a place for counseling therapy, all these things. Yes. They let's embrace everything that is leading towards leaning into the spirit rather than bolstering ourselves, right? Yeah. But let's get honest. That's not what Jesus put in the Great Commission. Yeah. Okay? It, those things can support that, right? But what he said was, go make disciples, right? So in other words, preach the gospel. Once they've come and been baptized, once they've come to Christ, he says, now go out and teach them everything I taught you. Yeah. Right? That's our command. And what did Jesus teach the disciples to do? Primarily, if you read the gospels, it is ministering with the power of the gospel to set someone free. Yeah. So all I'm just saying, this needs to be restored in the church because we shy away from it because, oh, demon behind it. You know, that, the idea even that we can be demonically oppressed is something that some people don't agree with um but that's what jesus that's the command right um he didn't he didn't command hey go sit down Mm -hmm. have 10 sessions let's just find their story get in and again i'm not saying there's a place for that yeah what i'm saying that's just not what jesus command was right his command was to go bring the power of the gospel and have a spiritual engagement with someone get to the root issue and get them free based by the power of the spirit of god um that's that there's just no other way about yeah. reading the scripture on that. So I'm just saying that has to be restored because we've put so many things, we've relied on so many things other than what God's clear command is there. So this isn't a pushing away of the counselors and the therapists. No, let's, there's a place for them, but this is restoring. So talk to me. 
Okay, I'm going to talk to you. Go, okay, because I, I mean, I feel like it's like this. You know, we're really running out of time, so we're going to talk fast. Yeah. But here's the deal. It's kind of like when you look at the counselors and when you look at the people even who are walking with Christ and who are filled with the Holy Spirit, I think there has been a void in the church to equip and empower them to be deliverance people. So therefore, they have to go and create their own counseling ministries and those types of avenues for those hurting people to come, but yet they haven't been given the blessing and the authority of the church to be deliverers because there is a place for the teacher, there's a place for the pastors, but there has to be a place for the shepherds, and the shepherds are the people who walk with the people. I mean, you don't leave your sheep alone. You you take them to the stream. You take them to the grass, and that's all through following Christ, and so when I look at like the world today highlighting like, oh, emotions, highlighting, oh, you've been hurt. Those are things that God can still use because now we've made it acceptable to bring out those hurts so that Jesus could heal them. There was a period in our history where you were supposed to stuff it as a man and never deal with it, which means you never let Jesus even heal it. You just carried your scars. And so there's this new process as the world highlights it, I think, that we as followers of Christ can monopolize on like, yes, tell me you're hurt, but let's take it to the true healer and allow it to be healed so that you don't even walk with scars. Yeah. I so think talk to that's us. That's the key. Yeah. I think that's the key is like, yes, there's so many amazing tools out there. I've benefited myself greatly from counseling, we all have. Yeah. But the the thing for me was it was in partnership and leaning into the Holy Spirit, leaning into the power of God and leaning into trusting the Father to shepherd me and yeah. be the healer. And I think that is key is we have to lean into the things of God. And that's what our role is, I think, when we're walking with people mm-hmm. who are hurt is, hey, let's like direct this conversation toward God. Or let's like as we're walking on this path, let's make sure it's going toward the Father and and leading leading people to him because he is the only one with the actual power to do mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Great. Lauren. Yeah, I agree. I think when we as believers are going through, you know, something that we would need counseling for, what yep. gets dangerous is when we enter the lone wolf mentality. Right. When we're like, I will heal myself, I will seek the help I need. Right. But when as the church we gather around these people and hold up their arms like uh, m- like Aaron did for yes. Moses, yeah. that's when we can receive healing because A, when their arms are raised, they're in a full surrender to God that's and good. they're in surrender to others. So like I think the healthiest we can be is to like partner all of it and like we are like we're not one like we are spiritual beings whole beings and mental being like we we go all together so it's like when one's out of whack all is out of whack body soul and spirit yeah body soul and spirit so it's like when we uh partner with all of those things like when we're in church and doing like you know like listening prayer and Mm -hmm. deliverance type things and then we find lies and we're like we find out we're like super angry like we get delivered from angry and then you partner that with a christian you a christian counselor who can help you come up with like some other coping mechanisms or help you identify these triggers like that's awesome because then you can like walk in full freedom of body soul and spirit yeah wait body whatever (laughs) (laughs) um and so like that's when i would say like that's when everything's working together Mm -hmm. in a way that's like super healthy when you're submitted to community to god and to others excellent excellent i mean our last point that steve brought us in was like be equipped and ready for spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think there has to be that concept that, you know, when you step back and you look at the big picture, like, yes, there is a spiritual realm, and that spiritual realm is at war. And not in the sense of, like, you know, like carnage. <laughs> there is carnage, but there is, 
if we admit that we're at war, then we admit that we're in submission. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be submitted to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in that avenue mm-hmm. on how do we choose what we're going to spend our time with, how do we choose how do we use our time, and how do we choose what we take in and what we don't take in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's set us right in the heavenly places, right, with these gifts and everything to minister. And so when we do, that's why Paul ends Ephesians with the armor of God, right? Amen. We battle not with flesh and, flesh blood, and blood, right, yeah. but with these principalities. So. If we are engaged in ministry, empowered by the Spirit of God, we will engage, like Paul did in Ephesus, after all this wonderful ministry. What happens? The end of 19, bam, Bam. the whole city's in an uproar, this amazing warfare, right? Yeah. And uh, and we should uh, be ready for that. And, yeah. and the church's role, back to the whole equipping thing for deliverance and everything, our role is to equip the saints for that and yeah. to get, help people understand the armor of God and to understand that there's going to be a counterattack to, yeah. a, to a lot of the pressing in of the church. Yeah. And you, you made that clear in your message that, like, you know, if you have a movement towards God, there's going to be something that seeks to oppress and stop you in that. And so that should just be expected, but it doesn't leave us powerless. It leaves no. us more dependent on God. Good. You know. We shouldn't be surprised. No. Oh, surprise, the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. <laughs> yeah. No, we yeah. were told that. Exactly. Like that's, yeah. That shouldn't be surprising. But when we realize, like we're talking about Ephesians 6, we have the armor of God, which has offensive and defensive defensive weapons in there then we can stand firm like that admonishment in in Ephesians 6 to uh, take our stand when when the day of evil comes great really good and it will be in Ephesians 6 probably in about 6 months as we go we'll get there there. but next week's Halloween right so the principle is why is Halloween the fastest growing holiday in America well I mean it is marketed so <laughs> right. well I well, Reese's Pieces but a heavenly perspective well right? in a heavenly <laughs> Reese's Pieces Reese's Pieces yeah yeah candy candy sorry that was a worldly candy. perspective not a heavenly perspective <laughs> yeah but I mean there we'll might take be. the Reese's yeah. yeah. alright well hey thanks so much for tuning in to this Root Issues we hope that it was a midweek jolt for you really it's just taking Sunday and what that feast is and saying, okay, I need to eat more. I need to think more. You can't just get it on Sunday alone. You need to dig in throughout the week in your relationship and in the guidance of everything that Steve is telling us from the gospel, from the truth of God, to equip you and prepare you to live that full and abundant life that Jesus promised for you. So thanks so much for tuning in. If you ever want to reach out and touch us, you can get in touch with us at root. Issues at ccasman.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed week.